Hello, everyone. Hi, everyone. Thanks for coming tonight. Um, I'm Rebecca. I'm a nursing student um, at the Waterfront campus. Um, we are Geelong Christian Union, or GCU for short, and uh, we're a Christian group at uni. Uh, we value meeting together, connecting together, um, and coming together to read uh, from the Bible, which we believe is the Word of God. Um, so tonight we have Andrew coming um, to speak to us and talk through some passages uh, from the Bible with us um, and to look at where does our hope come from and can life get any better than now. So I'll just ask Andrew to come up. We'll just ask, have a little get to know you questions. Um, so I know your name's Andrew. Can you tell yep. us what church you're from and your yep. role at that church? Sure. So uh, my name's Andrew. I'm from uh, City on a Hill, Geelong, which is in East Geelong, and I'm one of I'm the lead pastor there, but I'm the pastor team there. Yeah. Nice. So where do you originally come from? Are I'm from Ballarat. Yeah, you're definitely Ballarat people. I know. Um, my mum's still actually. I think she's supporting the, the Christian Union work down in Ballarat. So I grew up on a farm the other side of Ballarat, but I joined the army when I was 17, and so spent the next 20 plus years sort of moving up and down Australia and overseas in the army. So I'm from Ballarat, but I haven't lived there for a long time. Yeah, nice. And finally, where is the best chicken nugget? The best chicken nugget? Where, as in, I've got a serious <laughs> problem. Uh, I actually, I actually have a, I, my wife tells me that every time I, I indulge this sin, like it makes me sick, but I have a big thing for KC and I try, I know it's bad and some of you are going to go for other nuggets, but anything from KC, it's the original? Okay. Sorry. Okay, fair Sorry. enough. Yeah. I'll take that. All right. Thank you. We'll get you back up later to have a Thanks talk. Thanks a lot. Thank so you. Thanks for that. Um, so, as you can, as you know, she's going to read um, from the Bible, so feel free to follow along on the screens um, or with your handout or in the Bibles that they've um, placed in your table as well. And then we'll hear um, from Andrew who will come up after that. Thanks, Charlotte. Cool. Um, tonight's reading is from Mark chapter 13, verses 1 to 13. The um, NIV version. As Jesus was leaving, leaving the temple, uh, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, claiming I am he, and will deceive me. When you hear of wars and rumours of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginnings of birth pains. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will send before governors and kings as witnesses to them, and the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given to you at that time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved.
Well, it's so good uh, to be good to be with you here tonight. Thanks for having me. And uh, I understand as you've been going through uh, Mark and looking at this wonderful book uncovered. I've just got this little hard copy here. One of the one of the easiest gospels to read. Tonight, I'm going to look. You just heard a pretty difficult chapter of scripture, um, or some verses of scripture, one to thirteen. And I want to start by asking a question. Um, well, actually, maybe I'll start by sharing a movie reference. Now, this is a bit. This movie's about ten years old, um, so yeah, it's a long time ago. But uh, this movie is called The Bucket List. Has anyone seen The Bucket List? Yes, a couple, couple of you have. I wouldn't say it's my favourite movie, but the, I'll give you the plotline, and it's this. Right, there is a. Um, there's two characters, the main characters in the movie. One by the name of Morgan Freeman plays a kind of struggling, lower-class guy. And uh, his counterpart is this guy who's played by Jack Nicholson, who's this rich, uh, professional, you know, he's got everything, the suit and the tie. And interesting thing happened is these both guys are diagnosed with terminal cancer. And they're, they're next to each other uh, in the ward. And initially, they don't get on very well because there's the rich guy, professional, and the, the poor guy. Um, but in the end, the, the plot of the movie is, like, they start talking about their bucket list. You know, what do you want to do before you kick the bucket? Have you, heard the, uh, have you heard that term, the bucket list? It's like a, you know, kicking the bucket in Australian lingo is when you die. And the bucket list says, you wanna, these are the things you want to have in your bucket when it gets kicked over and you die. And uh, the movie goes that uh, Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman. Jack Nicholson's all this money and they fulfill their bucket list. They travel and skydive and watch the sun go down on the pyramids. And it's all a wonderful thing. But this, this evening, I would bet that every single one of you, you've got a bucket list. There are things that you want to achieve before you die. I bet you that there's not one person who would say, there's nothing that I want to achieve. Now... Anyone game enough to say something that you, you would really love in your bucket list? Graduate. Graduate! <laughs> yeah, I think, I think you're not alone. That's a big one. What else? Get a job. That's a huge thing, isn't it? Get a job. Yeah, there's, there'd be a ton of other things. Yeah. Drink margaritas. Got a beach and drink margaritas. Yes. Yeah, experience, leisure, travel. Um, look, there's a lot of different things on a lot of different... I think you're a university student. You've got a bucket list and you've said it. You, you're here. It's costing you or your parents or somebody money to have you here. Um, and you guys, I've been... At, you know, I know what it's like. It's, you know, people pay out. You students having all the time in the world and a few contact hours. But I've been on. It's actually... There's a lot of pressure involved in what you're doing. You know, you're sitting exams. You're, you're, going, you're, you're doing assignments. You're doing a lot of work. And the reason that you do that... I presume it's because you want something from it. And maybe that's something that you put in your bucket list. Maybe, maybe you want to make your parents proud. Uh, for some of us, it's an important thing. Maybe you want to snare a, uh, a marriage partner by the good job that you get from uni or the people that you met. Who knows? Uh, now, everyone's bucket list is different. But I suppose what we think in our bucket list is if I can fill that bucket to the full, then life will be as good as it gets. If... I don't fill the bucket and when I come to die and I look at my bucket and the things I want to do aren't in there, then life will not be as good as it could have been. Now, for me, it was interesting. Um, I, when I was at university, I was in a 
uh, I was in, I went to the Australian Defence Force Academy, and so I studied there at university, but as a military officer trainee, so a bit different to what's going on here. But I had some good, very good friends and um, over that t period of time, and recently we had our 20 year reunion since we graduated from uni, and we made it. And um, it was really interesting, I couldn't go, but on the Facebook page leading up to that, it was very interesting for me to see some of those guys had really filled their bucket list. You know, they had, some had the trophy wife on the arm, um, some had traveled the world, some were, were very senior military officers, some had done this and that, and, and others hadn't. One guy was in jail, um, several guys had had failed businesses, broken relationships, and, and the, the interesting thing though was that what they both seemed to agree on was that for life to be as good as it gets, you need to fill your bucket list. And that has got to happen before you die. Because once you die, it's too late. So here and now, is this is where it's got to be as good as it gets. And uh, maybe tonight you, you're thinking, identify with the success story. I think life is pretty good. Things are going pretty well. Love uni, love the, my crowd of friends. I love Christian union. I love everything. This is as good as it gets. Or maybe others of you think, well, if this is as good as it gets, I'm not there yet. Because this is not as good as it gets for me. Now, what when we turn to the Bible now, and we, we go to that, and um, I'll go through from Acts 13. In some ways, very directly, Jesus in, he pushes directly against that idea that what really matters is here and now. And filling your bucket list. And then uh, 13 verse 1. The disciples, um, and it's in Jerusalem, the scene is in Jerusalem. There's this massive temple, which was Solomon's temple, which was rebuilt by King Herod. It was very impressive. Um, has anyone been there? I know Dave and I have been there. Anyone else been to, the, to where this temple was in Jerusalem? It's, it's worth going sometime. Um, it was, we are told by historians, unbelievable. It was covered in white marble. It was epic building. And when you saw the sun shine on it, it was also so white it was blinding. And um, Jesus and his disciples are in that temple. And the disciples, we don't know which one it is, goes like, Dave, look at that building. It's amazing. Jesus, you know, you imagine getting shot. Jesus, look at it, look at it, look at, it, look at those stones. That's beautiful. And Jesus, like, it's almost like he just pricks the balloon. And he says, do you see these great buildings? Verse 2 there. Reply Jesus. Not one stone here will be left on another. Every stone will be thrown down. Thrown down. Jesus says, you think this is as good as it gets? This beautiful building here and now? Every stone is going to be thrown down. It's going to be ruined. Now what, how's that for a, uh, you know, picking the, picking the balloon? But if you read this passage, as we just heard, and you listen to it, it gets a lot worse. Did you notice that? Did you hear, is this as good as it gets? Jesus goes on to say, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, claiming I am he, verse 5, and deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, don't be alarmed. Some Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. The disciples say, this is as good as it gets. And, and Jesus is saying, no, this building is going to be thrown down. And not only that, but everything will end. And um, in, in the short thing, he's, Jesus, if you know history, is talking about the Roman army going to come a few years later and are going to tear that temple down stone by stone. Um, some historians say that there was so much gold on the temple that when the temple burnt, the Roman army separated deliberately stone from stone to get the gold. 
But Jesus is also pointing forward. Do you notice that? He says, you'll be handed over to local councils and flogged in the synagogues. They're the beginnings of the birth pains, it says in verse 8. You'll stand before governors and kings as witness to them, and the gospel must first to be all nations. Whenever you're arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say what's ever given to you. Brother will betray brother to death, and father his child. Children will rebel against their parents, have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me. Make you feel pretty positive, pretty encouraged. Then when, I mean, when I read that, I think like the part of me that goes, this is as good as it gets, gets uncomfortable. You know, what if my bucket list and all the things I wanted to do was filled to the top? Well, this, this Jesus is talking about the end. He's saying there's, there's more than this. And he's talking about serious stuff. So his life is good as it gets. Jesus in Mark's gospel says, no, it's not. This is not all there is. That there is coming the end. And uh, Jesus says there, he says, I've told you everything in advance. He says in verse 23. But then moving back to verse 12, the bad brother will betray brother to death and a father a child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me. I don't know if any people have that as their bucket list. You know, I really want to be hated by everybody before I die. But then Jesus says, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. So Jesus says, in this life, in this bucket, this is not all it gets. This is not all there is. This is not as good as it, as it gets. And Jesus says, though what happens in this life and the way you live will have a massive impact on the real life that is coming and eternity which is following. He who stands firm to the end will be saved. Now, as we think about that, it makes me uncomfortable because in many ways, you know, life is pretty good for most of us, isn't it? I know for some people here tonight, you go, nah, I'm having a really bad time right now. Maybe I've got the time of this due, whatever it is. You know, I've had a bust up with a relationship. That, that, it's true. But in many ways, those of us who, who are in Australia permanently, we, are, we live in, what is it now, the richest country on earth? I think statistically, we just beat Switzerland this year. We live in the richest country on earth. I mean, we have so many privileges and freedoms. Um, and in many senses, life is pretty good. For most of us. And it's, but Jesus rocks that boat. He, he shakes. He says, there's more than this. And um, I want to think about <laughs> the implications of what Jesus says. Because there's two sides to this, isn't it? If you, if you reject what Jesus says and you go, and, and we all can, and say, you know what? Life is as good as it gets. Thank you, Andrew. I don't really like to think it. This is all scary, scary things coming up. But life is good. And I'm going to live for now. And um, my purpose right now is to have fun and it's to get through uni and it's to have experiences and I'm going to fill my bucket list and I'll worry about the rest later on. So I really, this is just scare tactics. that you, Jesus and you are trying to scare me and I'm not buying it. Now, if you, there's actually a logical progression if you go down that line. You can say, well, there's no God. God's not real. So I can choose my bucket for myself and I'll fill it with what I want and no one's going to judge me. I'm not going to be held accountable for how I fill that bucket. 
So I'll just do whatever I want. And it's really free, isn't it? You go like, I can just do whatever I want. And there's no final judgment. No one's going to assess if I've lived my life the right way and if I've chosen the right things for my bucket list. There is freeing, but the problem with it is, two big problems. Number one, it can't deal with death. When Jesus says, this is not as good as it gets, look at these buildings, they're going to be destroyed. He goes on to speak about the fact that many of his followers will be put to death, they'll be persecuted. But the reality is, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're put to death, or you're not a follower of Jesus, you're still going to die, unless Jesus comes first. And the view that says there's no God, and you find your purpose for yourself, and you fill your own bucket, you're not ready to face death. It's, you say, well, no one's going to judge me. There's no God, but how are you going to deal with death? Um, recently, I read a, a novel, and I'll, I'll quote from it. It's by a guy called John Updike. Anyone read his books? Any English slips? Not many at Beacon A, not many English slips at Beacon um, he, he, he said this, and he was writing about his lead character who was thinking about death, the existential question. He wrote this. David was visited by an exact vision of death. A long hole in the ground. No wider than your body, down which you are drawn while the white faces above you recede. You try to reach them, but your arms are pinned. Shovels pour dirt in your face. And there you will be forever, in an upright position, blind and silent. And in time, no one will remember you. And you'll never be called by any angel. As strata of rock shift, your fingers elongate and your teeth are distended sideways in a great underground grimace, indistinguishable from its strip of chalk. And about you? That is totally black. That worldview says there's no God, you choose your identity for yourself, you fill your own bucket list and you do it quickly and you do it intensely because soon the lights are going to go off and the stage is going to go dark. Your bucket will be kicked. And that's all you've got to look forward to. Blackness, what, despair. What causes someone to be buried alive? Uh, he's, he's talking about the reality of death when you face it. That it's like, it's permanent. It's cold. Yeah, it's poetic. It's, it's a book. But he's imagining, imagining you, you, as you're buried in the grave that you're still conscious. And that you could see, you could see the dirt being shoveled on you and the faces receding above you. And, and he's saying, if you have a worldview where there's no God, that's all there is. You're stuck there for eternity. You know, the, the earth shifts and changes in your body, the Did bones. Can crawl out of it? Like, if he's, <laughs> if he's just blatantly laying in, like, a ditch, can't he just get out of it? Well, I think he's, he's imagining death, and we can't escape death. That's, that's, that's his point. It's inescapable. Death comes for every one of us. There's, you, can't, you can run, but you can't hide. And if you have a worldview that says, this is as good as it gets... How do you deal with death? Because death is the reality. But the other problem with having a worldview that says that this is as good as it gets is it's an incredible pressure that you place on yourself. Because you've got a limited amount of time and you've got a lot of stuff you want to do. And you've got to fill that bucket list to the top before you, get, before you die. And that is a horrible, horrible pressure. Um, I remember when... The year that I thought life was as good as it gets, I was 15, just uh, 16 actually, and um, I just snagged the girl of my dreams. Like I'd been chasing her for ages, and she was way out of my league. 
and I snagged. It was great. We, we, I, was, I was dating the girl that I dreamed about. Um, I, I was very serious about athletics, and for me, my bucket list was getting to the Olympics, and I got a, a scholarship to the Institute of Sport. Like, whoa. Does it get any better than this? You know, um, and I, I was just loving school, loving life, and I was like, "This is as good as it gets." But you know what? As good as it was, the harder I grabbed onto those things, the more stressful it was, because my identity was about keeping this trophy girlfriend, and my identity was about getting to the Olympics, and it was just a horrible, horrible pressure, because I, that was my bucket list, and and and, and what happened? I got injured. And uh, my, my girlfriend dumped me, and it was like, I've lost everything. And the stress was horrible. I put all my, all my eggs into that basket, and now the basket smashed. And it was like, what have I got? It was a horrible pressure. And at university, if, if your bucket list is to get great marks and get a good job and, and get married, what happens if you fail? What happens if you don't get the job that you're looking for? That's a horrible, horrible pressure. Uh, when, I was, um, when I first went to university, uh, one of my best mates from school, a guy called Matt. Uh, we're really good I'm, mates. I'm totally in your shoes. I, I kicked out college and I got a job working in my PT joint and it wasn't great, but it paid the bills. No, it's, it's good. Yeah, it's good I'm to going do. back on the horse and I'm going to finish studies. Good man. Yeah, it's good. There's nothing wrong, and I just would say, there's nothing wrong with pushing in and having dreams and studying like, and going forward. This mate of mine, though, for him, he desperately wanted to be an army officer. And uh, he, that was his dream, was he was going to make it, he was going to go places, he was going to do things. And in the, about the third or fourth week of training, he failed. And he, he got, uh, they said, sorry, you, you're just not suitable to be an army officer. And I didn't even get a chance to say goodbye to him. He just vanished. They, they pulled him out of training, sent him back home to Ballarat. And then a couple of weeks later, um, I heard, yeah, they, they called me in and, and said that he'd gone home and got what, what, my bucket is empty. That was what I wanted for life. I wanted to be an army officer. I wanted to be successful. I haven't got it. So life is not worth living. And he killed himself. And there's an immense pressure that comes if you think you've got to get everything now. If you think that you've got to suck every bit of life out of this, there's a horrible pressure. And so when Jesus comes and he says, this is not all this is, not all there is, it's not like he's trying to destroy our dreams. And he's trying to say, look, I want your life to be miserable. Look, it's all going to collapse. Everything that you're doing, it's, it's going to collapse. And that's what it is. It's all about being miserable. And I think that's what I used to think about Jesus before I was a Christian was like, oh yeah, he, he just wants to ruin my life. He wants to make me marry some girl I don't even like. Do some job I'm not interested in. Move someplace I hate. And he had, I just thought Jesus was the ultimate killjoy. And reading passages like this, oh yeah, he's all doom and gloom. But the reason he shares this is because he loves us. And I love what he, what he says, um, says later on here. which is, I think it's just wonderful. So they're asking him what's going to happen. He's talking about the end. And then he says, uh, verses 24 and 27 of Mark 13, he says... But in those days, after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. He's saying this world itself is going to roll up and finish up. And then they will see the Son of Man. That's Jesus' name for himself. They'll see the Son of Man 
coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Jesus says that he is coming one day and he will gather his own and that death will not hold them. And how do we know that? Because Jesus himself, he makes a way for us to know him by going to the cross. He basically gives up his entire bucket list and goes, you know what, I've come to be a sacrifice. I've come to give my life to be a ransom for many, he says, later on in Mark's Gospel. And he makes that way for us then to to be not just caught up in this life and its bucket list, but to have a future. And to prove that, he is resurrected. God raises him from the dead and he's alive. And it says death is not the end. This world, no matter how good or bad it is for you, it's not all there is. There's a future that's incredible and Jesus will come to take his own to be with him forever. And that's unbelievable hope. That, that gives you, you know what that does? It does two things. In regards to death, it says that when you see death in those you love or when you experience it yourself, it's not the end. And I've seen plenty of death, unfortunately. I've served overseas on operations and I've seen death. Uh, there, there are visions in my mind that, that come back of people that I've seen and experiences I, I've had. Death is real, but it's not the end. For those who are with Jesus, death is only a transition. That this life may suck or it may be great. And for many of us, life with Jesus, this side of eternity, is great. Jesus speaks about persecution. He speaks about suffering. But the reality is, is that when you're walking with Jesus, the joy that he gives you, even in those things, makes life great doesn't mean that you'll get your bucket list ticked off. But it does mean that you'll have Jesus and that makes great life. So death is not the end. But then secondly, and I love this bit about being a Christian. And, and I hope you experience it too. That life with Jesus, Jesus says, I've come to give you life and to the full. He didn't say I've come to make you miserable. He said, I've come to give you joy and joy complete. And let me tell you, It's not a full life and it's not a joyful life trying to fill your bucket list grimly, determinedly, until you die. That's miserable. So much pressure, so much expectation from you and from others. But Jesus actually gives you a chance and he says, look, the things that you've got, they're not really make who you are. The experiences that you have, you really think you're going to be fully human by traveling and doing this and doing that? No, you're fully human because I love you. And because... God says, I sent my son to die for you. You matter. You're valuable. I love you. Your life matters in me. And that means actually you you can be set free to enjoy the things that he gives you. I mean, I enjoyed study. I got to study at Oxford University um, to do a degree. Wonderful postgraduate degree in international relations. I loved it. I was set free to do that. Before I was a Christian, I would have been like, aha, I've got to to, 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 to grab this. And what if I fail? And what if I do? You know, I, I got a chance to do sport. And instead of being... I got to the point previously where I'd, I'd be glad if I got injured because I didn't have to face the pressure of competing to justify myself. So I, I had the opportunity to go, I can enjoy sport. Um, relationships, I've been married for 20 years now. Um, before, I would have, the reason that my other girlfriend dumped me was that I choked her. You know, I need you, you've got to fulfill me. You know, like, I've got, a, I've got a wife and she can't fulfill me, but she's a friend and, and she's a partner in life together and God's given her to me as a blessing. We can enjoy each other's relationship without stifling each other, choking each other. You know, actually, God sets you free. When you say this life is not as good as it gets, it sounds on the surface to be negative. 
But with Jesus, it's the utmost positive. You, you can live your life freedom. And you know what? At the end of it, and you go, well, I wanted to travel to South America and I wanted to drive a motorbike across Africa and I wanted to marry and had 10 kids and I didn't get those things. But my life is not dependent on those. Who I am is not dependent on what I do. This life is not as, a, as good as it gets because my life and my identity and my future are based on Jesus Christ. And his word endures. This world will one day roll up. It'll wind up. The credits will roll. But Jesus will endure. So I want to encourage you, if you're not yet a Christian and you're buying a lie that everything, that, that your whole life is dependent on filling that bucket list, if you're putting that pressure on yourself and you're either becoming proud because you think you are doing it or miserable because you're not, if that's you, please read the Gospel of Mark for yourself. See the hope that there is in Jesus. And if you are a Christian, a lot of you are, a Christian union, um, if you are a Christian, then please wise up quicker than I did about your identity being not in what you do, the marks you get, the job you have, the, the, how pleased your parents are with you, but your identity is in Christ. He loves you, he's calling you, and he has a plan for your life that's based not on how good life is right now, but on the, the mission and the calling he's got on your life to serve him now and find in that fulfillment and then be with him for eternity. So that's my prayer for you. Um, thanks for, I suppose, thanks for giving me the opportunity to, to share my, my thoughts and my views. I, I don't know, do, we have, do we have time for questions or is it, uh, yeah, we're getting the thumbs up. So it, a couple of minutes. So are there any questions you'd like to ask? I may not be able to answer them or any, any things you want to raise or come back on me on. my meetings at church, I take silence as agreement. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks very much for having me. It's, it's a, it's well, we'll still have Andrew around for a little bit afterwards, so if you come up with any questions after that, feel free to yeah, come up and ask him as well. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, Andrew, for yeah coming and unpacking the um, passage for us. Really appreciate it. And yeah, thank you. Um, now, just before um, we do head out for dinner, we'll have a few um, other announcements as well to tell you different things that are going on um, in the life of 